special Palace of Glittering Delights. I have a very special guest with me. None more special. Mrs. Mm -hmm. Angela Leyland. Hello. Hello. This is the first time you've ever been on this show. This one, yeah? This one, yeah. You've been on Hair Kids Comics before. Well, you kind of chime in with abusive material from the heavens. Voice from the gods. The voice yeah. from the gods is what Lou Giaconetti calls you. My new title. Is that your new title? You're going to have that printed up as a t-shirt? Yeah. I think that would be excellent. We're doing a very special episode on one of our favourite television shows of the past couple of years. Oh yeah. Which is Spartacus. Now each series of Spartacus had different titles. So this particular episode we're going to look at Spartacus Blood and Sand, which was the first series. And then Gods of the Arena, which was the prequel slash second season. See, we say series, don't we? Rather than season. But it is it is technically a season. Um, See, I, I actually read into what all that was. Why? A season is the individual year. Hmm. And a series is the overall thing. I know, but over a year, we call a it a series. is a year thing. Is yeah. a year thing. Yeah. And the overall thing is called a series. Yeah. Which you can understand would be confusing. The season series, having different names for it, makes more sense than uh, calling it the same thing. Anyway, Spartacus, the first season was Blood and Sand. Starred mm. Andy Whitfield as Spartacus. Did we ever find out his real name, did we? Spartacus isn't his real name in the show. Spartacus is the name... I don't, he, it's only ever whispered, mm. and we never actually hear it. And when the show starts off... He's a Thracian who is working kind of with the Romans. Yeah, he gets enlisted by Glabber. Yeah, to help them fight the, the Gator, according to IMDb. Okay. But I just think of Gator as being Battlestar Galactica. It's alright. But anyway, he gets roped in by the Romans to do some fighting for them. With? With them, yeah. Well, no, it's for them, let's be honest. No, he makes it out that it's... With. Yeah, initially Glabber makes it out that it's for them. Mm. See, one of the things about Spartacus is it's full of Australian and British actors. So you're kind of like, hey, it's him. Mm. It's that bloke from Shortland Street. Yeah. It's that bloke from Home and Away. Mm. I think you spotted a couple of people. And John Hanna is in it, glorious, as the main bad guy in the first series, Quintus Batiatus. Anyway, so Spartacus fights for slash with the Romans. He quickly... Well, we'll get into that when we start talking about him. Because he's not in the first episode at all. Quintus no. Batiatus. Um, he kind of... He gets betrayed by them. Which doesn't really come as a surprise. Alright, he gets betrayed by them. Which comes as a surprise to no one. Because he never trusted them. Uh, his wife, Sura... Mm. Is that right? Gets taken away from him. And he, he ends up being sold to... The Lanista of Eludus, Quintus Batiatus, mm-hmm. played by John Hanna. Now, one of the things that you have to recognise when watching Spartacus is the language of the show 
is absolutely phenomenal. Oh yeah. Not just in the amount of swearing that they do, because the, the the swearing in this show is epic. <laughs> it takes it to a, a new level of almost Shakespearean magnificence. Particularly John Hannah. Is this going up as explicit? Yeah, I'm, I, I should have said this straight at the beginning. We are probably going to swear in this episode mm-hmm. because it's it's not a show you can you can't talk about the show without addressing the swearing. Yeah. You can't talk about the show without addressing the violence, and you can't talk about the show without addressing the sex. Well, you don't need to with a swearing because it's there, but it's not a major thing. It's just you like some of the. I like the way they word it. Yeah. I like the way they word some of the swearing. The, the use of language in this show is brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Not just the swearing, just stuff like apologies. And just the way they say things is very stylized. And you can instantly tell, and can't give you? Give voice to thought. Yeah, give voice to thought and make it, and, and make it become real or something as well. Give voice to thought and, 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 see, and it. see it come to pass. Yeah. Stuff like that. Stuff the way they write it. And you can quickly straight away tell the actors that can do it mm. and the actors that can't do it. Navia wasn't very good. Navia wasn't very good at it in, in either incarnation. But we don't get to talk about Notvia yet because yeah. she's not in the first two seasons. She was replaced uh, as an actress. Many of them were part way through. The, the, the main strength of the first season is John Hanna as Batiatus mm-hmm. and Lucy Lawless as his wife Lucretia. Yeah. Spartacus ends up in the Ludus. The Ludus is the gladiatorial training arena, isn't it? And Alithia. Well, we'll, we'll get to Alithia, because I, I, I like Alithia mm. a great deal. So, uh, and it's run by Animaeus, who is the, what's he called? Doctore. The Doctore. So you, as you're watching it, you, all these funny words get thrown at you, but you do eventually just really quickly pick them up, don't you? Mm. Spartacus ends up in the Ludus. Batiatus buys him. Mm. Batiatus is very much a man who has ideas above his station. Mm. He doesn't want to be a Lenista. He wants to be on the Senate. So he craves political power. And essentially that's what the first season is about, isn't it? Yeah. It's Spartacus's quest for freedom, which kind of falls away a bit. He ends up being in the Ludus... He's only interested in, in what happened to his wife. And he makes a deal with Batiatus after... He, he's quickly thrown in... As a Thracian, he's not very well liked. No. Particularly I, by Crixus, who is a Gaul played by Manu Bennett. Mm-hmm. And everyone in it is really good, for the most part. So Spartacus quickly rises through the ranks when they fight Theocles, who is the unbeaten. Yeah. Isn't he? Spartacus and Crixus team up. Crixus is the current champion of the Ludus. For people who've never seen it. Spartacus rises up through the ranks and becomes the champion when Crixus is wounded in the fight and taken off the off the stage. And well, he's, Spartacus he's, just, he's down, isn't he? Yeah, he's not he's, taken off. Well he gets stabbed and it's touch and go whether he's gonna survive. Mm-hmm. And all the time that he's he's in his coma, essentially, and being seen to by the, the medicus Spartacus is rising through the ranks and becomes champion which leads to that brilliant line when he wakes up I'm out of it for a bit and my world has turned to piss and shit (laughs) which is a brilliant line so that's the main thrust of the story you've got Spartacus who just wants his wife back 
He does a deal with Batiatus that if he continues to fight as a champion, Batiatus will move heaven and earth to get his wife back for it mm-hmm. and bring him to the Ludus. Well, yes, she will be a slave, but there will at least be allowed conjugal visits, which happens quite a lot in this ship. Mm-hmm. And that's the premise of your first season. It will come of no surprise to you that Batiatus betrays him in one of the best moments of the show, where he betrays his he betrays Spartacus. No, it's best in terms of Batiatus. Batiatus is a brilliant villain. He's mm-hmm. magnificently played by John Hanna. Mm-hmm. So you have all his his one. He's John Hanna's a Shakespearean stage actor, and you can tell. Mm-hmm. So he has all these great moments where he has great lines of dialogue, like Jupiter's cock. Your favourite. My favourite piece of swearing. And, but my, my favourite is when he talks about um, being betrayed by the Senate. And he's like, why don't they just bend over part cheek Why they ram cock up ass? And just the way he says it is hysterically funny. Even though he's not being funny while he does it. Yeah. And the great thing about Bertiatus is he's the best kind of villain. In that everything he does throughout the course of that first series, you understand why he's doing it. You empathise with why he's doing it. Even when he's committing the most heinous acts to get himself more positions of prominence. Mm. So basically, he betrays his best friend, which is good Salonius. Yeah. Salonius was is the the Lenista of another Ludus that mm. isn't quite as successful as Batiatus's was. Mm. We only find out a lot of the backstory in the prequel series. So when Batiatus starts his 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 way into power, he does it through the fact that Spartacus becomes champion and that elevates the house of Batiatus. Mm. And so Batiatus now uses that as leverage to build himself relationships with people of p- political prominence which is where Alithia comes into it. Mm. Now, Alithia is the wife of Glaber. Glaber is the Roman centurion. He's more than a centurion, isn't he? He's not quite an emperor, but he's, he's quite high up on the food chain. Yeah. Glaber is the one that betrays Spartacus in the initial battle. So Spartacus has no love for Glaber. No. And Glaber's the one who takes Sura away from him. Mm-hmm. in the first instance so that's why he actively dislikes him Ilithia is Viva Bianca it's played by Viva Bianca who's basically just described the part as Paris Hilton BC Ilithia mm. is just magnificent in the show because that, that description of a Paris Hilton BC just sums her up doesn't it she is the Urhead Valley girl yes. who is beautifully manipulative throughout the entire show until she has it slightly turned on her by Lucretia, mm-hmm. who finds herself more than willing to play the game that Batiatus is playing to give the house of Batiatus more status. And as you go through the first series, there's a lot of backstabbing and, and double dealing and conniving going on. See, I think a lot of it of Lucretia and Alithia is it's less raising the, the house and it's more of you're not better than me. Yeah. See, Galithia does wear her status like a badge, doesn't she? Oh, she, yeah. She wears that she's married to a prominent Roman. But her dad's in the Senate as well. But her dad's in her the dad's Senate dad's as well. So she, she comes from power as well. Mm. Whereas Batiatus and Lucretia, you kind of get the feeling they've, they're just Lannisters of Eludus, then they're not really expected to move up anywhere. Mm. And Batiatus has these, these dreams of power. 
and the amount, the lengths that he will go to to get that power is quite impressive. I love how Alithia can put you down without being nasty. Yeah, she doesn't realise what she's saying is insulting half the time. Yeah. She's Claudia and from Buffett. And does Buffet. it with a smile. Yeah, because she doesn't know she's insulting you. She's completely guileless. Yeah. When she, yeah, well, she she will essentially cut Lucretia off at the legs mm. when um, she's trying to she's trying to elevate her status as well. That's what the, the show's about status, in many ways. I don't think Alithia is. She doesn't need to. No, Alithia isn't because Alithia has it. Yeah. So she's one of the people who's been born to it. So she doesn't have to have it, but the other people that don't have it want it. Mm. So you have Batiatus wanting to, to elevate himself to the point where he can get rid of the Ludus, is his ultimate goal, mm. and take a position on the Senate. When Ilithia starts, she starts living with them because Glabber's off fighting some war somewhere, yeah. as Romans want to do. Ilithia has one of the best introductions of anybody in Ever Show Ever. <laughs> she walks into Glabber's tent. And then proceeds to drop off everything oh, that she's wearing. Stand stark. Yeah, because one of the things that that brought me to Spartacus, the first series, Charlie Brooker mentioned it on Screenwipe, and he was kind of down on the first episode because he said it's perfect for fourteen-year-old viewers, boys. Essentially, it's got lots of blood, yeah. it's got lots of video game violence, and it's got lots of nudity. Yeah. But the thing that you quickly realise about the show is it's equal opportunity nudity. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got Alithia's just dropped trial there, and you've got that lovely full frontal shot of her. Not an unattractive woman. But then you go to the Ludus, the very next scene, and Crixus is walking around with his cock out. Barker did it a lot as well. Barker did it a lot as well. Barker's another gladiator. I'd forgotten what they were for a second. <laughs> yeah. Just distracted by Barker I was, and nudity. I was, I was, you do, the, the dudes come a fight with the, the nudity in the show actually just becomes normal. Mm. And you get a tad upset if they do an episode where there isn't any. Yeah, and the, the blood and the violence as well. Yeah, it doesn't, one of the things that Stephen Denight who created and produced the show, who came from Josh Whedon's stable, mm. he started on Buffet and then he went to Daredevil. He did the first season of Daredevil. One of the first things that he said was when Stars ordered the show, he didn't want to skimp on the fact that the Roman society was very brutal and very bloody and that it was full of sex. And Stars were like, okay. And they just let him run with it. So the level of nudity and violence in the show is quite extreme. We don't recommend you watch this with your children. Oh, God, no. Um, even we don't watch this with our children. Although I think they have walked in on one or two moments mm. when we were watching it and been like, "Oh!" So the gladiatorial battles are quite brutal and bloody. They don't skimp on the fact that swords do untold damage to people's skin and head. Not just skin. And face and legs <laughs> and, and necks. And it's amazing how heads just fall off with one swag. Yeah, that is always something that you were a bit... Do you know how difficult it is to cut somebody's head off? Mm -hmm. Yet Spartacus manages to cleave head from shoulder with one. He is buff, though. He is pretty buff in, in the first series. The first series... It's, have we mentioned that it was Andy Whitfield? I don't know, did you? In the first series, oh, yeah. Spartacus. So as we, as we go through the series, Spartacus has to build up his status while Batiatus is relying on him Lucretia's having an affair with Crixus, 
which we later find out that Batiatus knew about all along. Mm -hmm. But that's another great thing about the show. In addition to Batiatus being the villain that you can really understand and relate to. But she's not doing it just to have an affair with him to start with. No, she's not doing it... She's not doing it because she's not happy in her marriage. One of the things that's really interesting about watching it is they actually are devoted to each other. Yeah. But she will have him nail one of the slave girls in front of her mm. while they're just having a conversation. They'll be just talking about his day. Mm. And uh, he'll, he'll harden himself up or he'll get a slave girl to do it for him. That was quite common, wasn't it? Mm. You'd just see this head disappear out of frame. My favourite one was when they were in the bathroom and um, he just pushes her over, spits on his hand and then, you know... And then takes her from behind. Yeah. But the, what's funny about it is all the time in and Lucretia are having the conversations that husband and wives have when they get home from work. Yeah. They're having that how was your day, honey, conversation. And, uh, I mean, Batiatus is talking about how many people he's probably betrayed today. Hmm. But yeah, there's an awful lot of that in it that is really quite comical. So when Lucretia's having an affair with Crixus, she she's initially doing it because she can't get pregnant. Yes, and she does that potion thing with that woman that Alithia brings in. Yeah, Alithia brings her a woman. Is that the prequel series? Mm -hmm. See, I thought that... Because when we're introduced to him, she's having the affair with Crixus. Yes, she's already started. Because doesn't she originally call him up because Batiatus is away and she needs to do it within the hour? No, in the prequel, which is Gods of the Arena, which is the second series, she originally calls... No, that's not... That's because Alithia's not in the prequel series. Originally, she brings Crixus up in the prequel to just, all right... Because at that point, they presumably don't have any medical testing for which one of them isn't providing them with seed, is the, what they call it, isn't it? The affair starts because she wants to get knocked up and Batiatus isn't doing it. Yeah, so she thinks, alright, well if I shag another man, will that get me Will that get me pregnant? Mm. And she picks Crixus. <laughs> she, right. yeah, she picks Crixus purely because of his physical attributes. She initially is turned off by the idea of shagging a gladiator. Because she well, thinks that's a little bit gross. It's Alithia who plants that seed. It can't be. Alithia's not in the prequel. Alithia is hot for gladiators oh. from the get-go. It's younger, isn't it? Gaia. Yes. Gaia it's Gaia in the prequel series. So they've got Alithia and Gaia who are both hot for gladiators because it's a little bit of rough. Alithia in particular watches gladiatorial combat and gets quite horny, mm. doesn't she? You can see it in yeah. her performance. She's very, oh, and she starts doing that thing with her, with her just eating her fingers as she's getting quite hot over what she's watching. To the point where Lucretia and Batiatus tell her to buy a gladiator mm -hmm. and they will house him and train him and feed him, but she has to pay for him. And so she, the one that she picks... Which is one of the one of the funniest bits in the show. They buy a whole new bunch of gladiators, and she's looking at them all, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, but I can't see what I want to see." Now, bear in mind, they're not wearing very much anyway. They're only wearing a cloth. They're wearing the loin cloth, which actually has a proper name, doesn't it? Mm. It sounds like balaclava, but isn't. Mm. So it's it's it has a proper name. I can't remember what it is. So Batiatus orders all the new recruits 
to drop the whatever it's called. Drop drought. Yeah, basically. And just for the women, you've got that shot just going across the back of all of them as they're dropping the cloth. So it's just a sea of man's bums just for the women. So you, know, you don't see any full frontal there. Might until be just for the women. Well, 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 we'll get into that when we go along because there is a really excellent portrayal of a homosexual relationship. Yeah. One of the things that the show is really good at is glad, once you've got the mark of a gladiator, you're a brother. Mm-hmm. And they don't give a toss where you stick it as long as on the sands, which is one of Crixus's favourite lines. Mm. We'll meet on the sands. Um, as long as on the sands you fight with honour. They're not bothered. So Barker is gay, isn't he? Barker is very definitely gay. He only likes boys. Now, a lot of them will shag anything. They don't care where they put it. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, there's a couple of derogatory comments about a boy lover. But for the most part, Barker is respected because he's a very good gladiator. Mm-hmm. And they don't care that he's gay. They, yeah. they don't give a toss because he's good at what he does. So they leave him alone. And that goes throughout the entire series. It's never, it's never used against anybody, is it? If one of them's gay. No, he's in quite a loving relationship as well. Yeah, until he gets betrayed by Asher, who is another brilliant character. Yes. Asher is uh, a gladiator in the show. We're all over the place for this one because we've got no notes. But Asher is a gladiator who's crap. And you, you're going from season one to season prequel as well. Yeah, no, but we're not bothered. If they want to watch it, they can go and watch it because we urge that they do. So we'll get more into prequel story because we've not mentioned the main thrust of the prequel. There's a lot of thrusting <laughs> in this show. There's an awful lot. Asher is a gladiator who's terrible and he gets wounded in battle. He's not terrible. No, he's not a good gladiator. No, but he's not terrible. He wouldn't be survived lo- He wouldn't survive long, no. basically. And he's around because he's wounded... And he ends up working with Batiatus because he can't fight anymore. And yeah. it turns out that his treachery and his, his lying and conniving actually works in Batiatus' favour. Yeah, that's so, what he keeps him around. Yeah, Batiatus keeps him around because he does all his dirty work for him. Mm. And he does it exceptionally well in a way that Batiatus can claim, oh, I didn't know anything about it. Mm. But, but Asher is so good at what he does, he also ends up not being covered in shit himself. Yeah. He always ends up pinning the blame on somebody else, doesn't he? He's a very conniving character. He's another brilliant bad guy. Yeah. In many ways. And he comes into I forgot where I was going with Asher. Oh, he's the one who oh, secure he's Barker. the one who arranges Yeah, Barker and Asher don't like each other. Nobody likes Asher. Well nobody likes Asher, no. And ultimately Asher gets Barker killed, doesn't he? Yes. Which is that's a really great plot line. Mm. Because Barker's done nothing wrong. Well, he has. Really, he kills a child. He didn't. I thought he did. Did he? Yeah, it turns out that he did do it. Batiatus gets screwed over by somebody. And he goes to his house and he raises it to the ground. He kills the guy who betrayed him and his entire family. But he has Barker kill the children. And Barker tells his lover, whose name I can't remember can't remember his name, but he's only a young lad, isn't he? he Barker tells him he never did it. And he let him loose. He let him go. So Mm. that Batiatus doesn't know that he did it. Asher hears this and plants the seeds in Batiatus' mind that Barker didn't kill the boy. But... See, I kept falling asleep when we rewatched these. Did you? Yeah. But what happened was Barker did kill him 
as was his order of his master, if right. it was an Easter, but he told his lover that he didn't kill him because obviously he wouldn't want anything to do with the fact that he's just murdered a small child. Mm. So Barker had actually followed Batiatus's orders, even though Batiatus had him killed for not following his orders. But that's because... What was, what was Barker going to do to Asher? Asher was on Barker's hit list for some reason. And it served Asher's interest to have Barker taken out of the way. I don't remember. I can't, and I can't remember what it was. And we've only just rewatched them all. But I can't remember what it was. But Barker had Asher in his crosshairs for yeah. some reason. Like, if he came back as a gladiator, Barker was going to nail him or something. But I can't remember what the exact details was. So Asher sets Barker up to fall. Mm. And he has Batiatus do it. And that's one of the moments where you realise Batiatus doesn't care about his, his gladiators. Mm. He, he's killed Barker. He didn't need to. Barker didn't betray him. And he just shrugs it off. Yeah. And that ultimately leads to Animaeus betraying Batiatus. It's all beautifully structured mm. when you actually look at it. All these, all these actions ultimately have major consequences for it. As every step that he takes, takes him further down the path that he can't. It's very... It's Anakin Skywalker, but done properly. Every step he takes... Yeah. Every step he takes, takes him down a path that ultimately he can't turn away from. Mm. And the more decisions he makes, the more he goes further down that path to the point where at no point could he turn back. Yeah. In his quest for power. That everything just falls apart around him and it's all these little elements dovetailing it's Spartacus finding out that Batiatus brought him his wife but had her killed yeah. so that she died in his arms because that's a brilliant scene because mm. Lucy Lawless doesn't know anything about this so when no, Batiatus until... until he turns around at the end and said I kept my word mm. they are reunited and then the way she just looks at him like, she suddenly realises he's orchestrated all of this. Mm. He's orchestrated it all that Spartacus gets his wife back, but she dies. And then Spartacus suddenly has nothing to live for but being a gladiator. Yeah. And for the next four or five episodes, that's all Spartacus is on about, isn't it? Yeah. He's just 100% being a gladiator now. Because he is well, an atheist. You know that he's not. Oh yeah, he ultimately will he will turn around. But Spartacus is an atheist, he doesn't believe in the gods. Yeah. His wife Sura does believe in the gods. And when he's in the arena fighting, he basically just puts his swords down, doesn't he? Mm. Like I'm not I don't I've got nothing to live for without her. And he basically says, Alright, if there are gods, I won't die. Yeah. And he doesn't. The guy throws the sword at him and it skins his cheek mm. but it misses him. And he takes that as a sign that Sura's gods are watching over him. And from that point forward, he becomes a gladiator. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's a really interesting story arc. So as we get to the end of the first season, Spartacus finds out that Batiatus did this and then starts instigating rebellion. And the, all the little seeds that have been planted throughout the series... Like, Animaeus is loyal to the house of Batiatus because he thinks it's an honourable house. Mm. And then he finds out that Batiatus had Barker killed for no reason. Because they tell the gladiators that Barker has been given his freedom. Yeah. For a job well done. Yeah, isn't it 
Navia. Yes. Who spills something and. Yeah, Navia knows that he was not freed. Yeah. But she's sworn to silence. And Animaeus questions. Excuse me. Animaeus questions Navia, and she ultimately doesn't lie to him. Mm. And so Animaeus suddenly starts thinking that the house isn't the honourable place that he thought it was. And then Lucy Lawless, Lucrucia, and Crixus's relationship falls apart when Navia, who is her handmaiden and who she's keeping pure mm. to be given to somebody at a later date, has been shagging Crixus throughout the entire series. Not the entire series. Well, no, you start seeing them fall mm. for each other. So she... So she beats on Navia, doesn't she? Quite mercilessly. Yeah. And when Crixus finds that out, he turns on the house as well. Mm-hmm. So the final moments of the series is Spartacus instigating his rebellion against the house of Batiatus. Whilst there's something going on as well, isn't there? There's always something going on. No, isn't there like a gathering or something? Yes, Batiatus has arranged for Glabber's people. Mm. to come and have some big party at his house because one of the ways that they've raised the status of the house of Batiatus is offering the pleasures within yeah but don't they they manipulate something so that Glabber is some kind of sponsor don't they yes Elithia kills a prominent woman yeah. One of the storylines we've not mentioned is all the way through the episode Elithia hates Spartacus mm. and she wants him brought down but Elithia um, can't do anything about the fact that he's become champion. So mm. when she buys that gladiator that we mentioned earlier, having made them take all the clothes off, mm. what is the reason, Angela, that she picks that gladiator? Because he's obviously a good fighter. Uh, that's the reason that she picks him. She couldn't tell that when uh, he was dressed. No, presumably. no, 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 no. No, she picks him because he's hung like a donkey. Yeah. That's why she picks him. And you've got this really long, loving shot of him with what must be a prosthetic penis. Given, given, what happen, <laughs> given what happens to it. Oh, yeah. So, Elithia now has this gladiator. She tells him to kill Spartacus, mm. which he tries to, but Crixus saves his life. And Spartacus is like, what, what have you saved my life for? And Crixus is all, you're a brother you bear the mark of a gladiator. I may not like you. Mm. I may want to take you out on the arena when we face each other and cut your head off. But at the moment, we're brothers. And he's not. So they take him outside to punish him, to ask him who gave him the order to kill Spartacus. And he doesn't tell anything even when they cut off his donkey cock. And that's what Elithia sees, isn't it? And Mm. she just has quite a breakdown when she sees that they cut that off. So from that point, she's kind of broken. And Lucrucia owns her because they bring in a bunch of girls from somewhere else, prominent women in Roman society. They're Elithia's friends. Well, Elithia's friends who Mm. are all basically they're all mean girls from Clueless and Heather's. The the Harmony and yeah, the the Cordelia's Cordelia's mates from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She brings all them in. The Cordettes, and they are all hot for gladiators as well, aren't they? Mm. So they arrange for Spartac... She wants Crixus. I can't remember her name, this other one. Lucinia mm. is the girl who, who Elithia brings in, one of the friends. And Lucrucia offers her to spend time with the gladiator, because she likes a bit of rough as well. So basically what you're seeing is all these Roman women just aren't being satisfied by their husbands. 
Well, they're always away and talking about business and shagging the handmaidens. Yes, that does seem to be the thing, that the women are just kept at home as decorative objects mm. while they're off fighting for the glory of Rome. And, like you say, probably nailing a couple of handmaidens. So the women are just kind of left at home. So they all fancy this bit of rough that is gladita- gladiators. And she wants Crixus. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lucy Lawless don't want none of that. No. Because Crixus is hers. So she manipulates... Uh, but No, Elithia wants Crixus. Lacinia wanted Spartacus. Mm. But the whirring masks and very little else... It has to be uh, said. Gold painting. Uh, well, Lithia has that gold belt on. Mm. And that's it. I say a belt. Like a little, okay. little bracelet around her waist. You do like that, don't I you? I do like that little bracelet around her waist, mm. yeah. I do like Lithia. Look what I like Lithia. I like mad women. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so what Lucy Lawless does is she accidentally arranges it so Spartacus is the one who lays with is what they call it isn't it Elithia mm. and Lycinia is yeah pretty much and Lycinia is brought in before they finish but then they take the masks off when Lucy Lawless says oh there's been a mix up that's Spartacus no she comes in and says oh Elithia's not quite finished with Spartacus yet oh yeah Elis- oh, matter of fact. Lucy Lawless just drops her in it doesn't she mm-hmm. and Lycinia just has like a hip um she thought, oh, wait till everyone hears about this. Mm. And Elithia gets hold of her and just smashes her head into the floor until she's dead. And um, that's it then. And then, so what Batiatus has to do is he then has to cover up that this prominent Roman's wife has been killed on his premises. So she he, was never there because she came on her own. Yeah, so nobody can prove where she went, but he's still got to cover that up. Yeah. So he, he salts the room. And he throws the body over the edge of the cliff where the gladiators train. Mm. But now they've got Elithia in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. If they had pockets, which I don't think they did. And so they manipulate Elithia to get Glabber's patronage. That's it, patronage. To put Batiatus into the Senate. Even though Glabber thinks Batiatus is well below him. Well, it's not in the Senate, is it? He wants a, a position... I don't know if it's necessarily the Senate, but he wants a lower position. Mm. He's not... He'll work his way up from there. But it's it's kind of like once he's got his feet in the door. Yeah. That's what he's after. And essentially that's the basic plot of the first season until you get to the last episode with the Rebellion. Mm. But there's so much more to it than what we're, than what we're talking about. You've got Elithia and Lacrucia being wonderfully manipulative with each other while still actually being quite friendly. Yeah. They are quite nice to each other, occasionally. Mm. And Elithia realises she's in over her head once Lucretia proves that she can be every bit as manipulative as Batiatus. Mm-hmm. Batiatus's steps on his way to the Senate are... He, he is glorious in his planning. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is stuff just falling into place and he takes advantage of it. But he manages to take advantage of certain situations so wonderfully. He doesn't uh, an awful lot of manipulation, though. It's not just falling into play. No, he, he does, but he, a lot of it is seizing opportunity. Oh, yeah. It's what he calls it. It's seizing a moment when it gets there and then managing to do something with it. Mm. But the way that he goes about it, like he gets good Salonius blamed for the death of another prominent Roman. Yeah. Who he? Oh, that was perfect. That was perfectly done. Yes. So Batiatus has—I can't remember the guy's name, mm. 
but there is a oh no you know that's what it is he's he's buttering this guy up mm. and has Spartacus show his son how to wield a sword with the, this guy's prominent on the Senate and again I can't remember his name oh he's just the magistrate isn't he mm. he's the magistrate of is he the magistrate of the Senate he's important anywhere in the overall Roman political situation mm. and he basically Batiatus does all these things for him he has him over for parties at his house he gives them private viewings of the gladiators he has his son train with Spartacus mm. so he can learn how to use the, the sword all for Batiatus to get position of prominence in the Senate and then the magistrate turns around and said no no that's not for you mm. just stay what you're good at you'd be bored yeah stay being a Lanista stay mm. being you know stay where you are respect the status quo as they say in High School Musical which is so far removed from Spartacus stick to, stick to the status quo and Batiatus just melts to me yes John Hammond does anger better than anybody because mm-hmm. he just explodes and he just cuts the next scene where he's just trashing the bedroom mm because he's angry and he kidnaps the magistrate well that's because he's just laid waste to one of his best gladiators yes that's true yeah the boy mm. um, they have a um, it's supposed to be just um, what's it called that's another one of Alithia planning that's plotting. another one of, the, of Alithia's plotting yeah mm-hmm. they arrange to have a, a competition match don't they yeah where Spartacus to fight Crixus yeah. and Alithia manipulates it so Spartacus fights she tells she um, is a teenage boy, and she goes into the bathroom with him naked. Yes. And encourages him to choose Varro. Yeah, instead of instead Crixus. of Crixus. So Spartacus has to fight Varro, and then, as Angela said, it's only supposed to be a game. It's supposed to be a yeah. It's supposed to be um, an exhibition match. Is yeah. what they call it in boxing, isn't it? Mm. It's just supposed to be that. There's not supposed to be any death. And because Alithia has, has taken the 18-year-old's virginity... Is he eight? I don't think he's eight. It's his 18th birthday, isn't it? Or is it his 16th birthday? I'm sure it's 16th. Alright, his 16th birthday then. It's the magi- magistrate's birthday. Son's and, birthday. Yes. Magistrate's son's birthday. Yes. And so Alithia manipulates him through use of sex mm. to get him to order Spartacus to kill Vara. Yeah. And Batiatus is not pleased about this. But he's, it's his opportunity to get into the Senate. Because he, he says this was only supposed to be fun. Mm. And then the magistrate says, oh, I'll pay you for him. Yeah, he does. You're absolutely right. So Batiatus allows Varro to be killed, but he's fuming. Yeah. In that magnificent way that John Hanna did. So when the magistrate says, no, no, you stay where you are, he kidnaps him, keeps him in the sewers, mm. and beats on him. And then gets Salonius blamed for it. Yes. And it's all, all of it is wonderfully manipulative. Batiatus is brilliant in this show. John Hanna's great in it. Because doesn't he have Asher take Salonius down to where they are? Throughout the entire series, Asher has been feeding Salonius information about the house of Batiatus. Mm-hmm. And as viewers, we're meant to think that Asher is playing both sides. Mm. He's, he's, you know, he's taking Batiatus' money and whatever. And he's playing Salonius against Batiatus, and we're always like, well, why is he doing that? But later on, we find out Batiatus knew that he was doing it all along and was actually instructing him to do it. Yeah. Because Asher wants to be reinstated as a gladiator. And he's kind of got this in place. Well, he's not very good at it, is the bottom line. So, in addition to John Hanna being glorious manipulative, 
and swirry throughout the entire thing. So we get to the conclusion. All of these events dovetail so that Spartacus is able to instigate rebellion. And the entire gladiators turn on the house of Batiatus when they've got all these Roman lords in. And all the guests. And all the guests. And Elithia locks them in. Because mm-hmm. Elithia spots what's going on pretty straight on, doesn't she? Yeah. And she leaves the house and she locks the door from the outside so that the gladiators just basically tear everybody to bits. Mm-hmm. And the first series ends with Spartacus vowing war on Rome. Yeah. And he's going to go around and free all the slaves. Now, the historical account isn't that Spartacus really did that, mm. but we're basing the show on the legend rather than reality. Because one of the things that the, the DAF said... I don't know if it's in the special features, because I don't know if we watch the special features on the we DVD. Are, not watched any of them. Um, one of the things that Denight said is they did do a lot of research into the time. I mean, they took some liberties for dramatic licence, obviously, mm. but a lot of it is as true to Roman life as they could make it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of, one of the most interesting things about it that I mentioned to you, and you were like, really? None of it was filmed outside. No, I was surprised at that. There is no exterior footage shot for this show. Everything's on a sound stage against a blue screen. They or did a green it really screen. well. Yeah. There's an awful... I mean, there are some places where you can tell it's obviously got green screen backgrounds. Yeah, but there's a lot of it where you can't tell. Mm. No, none of it was filmed outside. It was all filmed in a sound stage in New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, it's only it's only most mostly notable when they walk into Capua, Capua mm-hmm. which is the main city that they live in, and they've got one street. Yeah, it's the same alleyway all the time. It's that. the same alleyway every time, maybe from different angles. Yeah. Maybe redressed slightly. Slightly different lighting. But it's that same. It's like the Enterprise corridors in Star Trek. They've only got the one. Yeah. So as soon as they walk past the camera, you know, all that they did was they turned around and they just walk back down the same piece of corridor. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the downsides of Capua they've only got that one set I don't think it was a downside no no it wasn't a downside you're right but they've only got that one once you notice they've only got that one street it does kind of stand out but the level there is an awful lot of green screening in it yeah every single background is green screened yeah I presume a lot of the crowd scenes are green screened because they I don't think they had that many people I know I don't think they actually filmed it in a real arena coliseum yeah i don't i don't think that that happened no um the fighting in it is really well done there is yes. an awful lot of places where you're watching the fighting and wondering well when did they swap to a stuntman i'd never thought that because you can't you can't tell if they did no because there's never any cuts when when spartacus and crixus are fighting and they get the legs whipped from under them and they fall flat on the back it's normally yeah. the actors and there's none of them ridiculous, that's not him. Yeah, there's no moment. I mean, like you used to do with Buffy. Yeah, where suddenly Buffy straps on her stunt boobs. Yeah. And suddenly has a very nice bottom. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, the stunt woman's come to work. Three feet tall. And it's suddenly a lot taller. And you're always wondering in Buffy as well how she can fight with all that hair over her face. Yeah. But that's clearly to hide the stunt woman's face. And in those heels. And in those heels, but, you know, people, women can do weird things in heels when they're practice. I can't even walk in them. Well... You're not a vampire slayer, though. A vampire. A va- a bam-pam- vampire slayer. Vampire slayer. As uh, Michael used to say. So, yeah, so the fight scenes are really good. Yes. Because when we were watching it, I said to you, I wonder if the floors are padded. Well, 
because they go down on their knees quite a lot. That'll hurt. They do, but if you're paying attention, the gladiators are kept underneath. Hmm. Because when they're fighting, you notice that the sand falls down. Yeah. So they are kept, like, above the sand. Uh, below the sand. Right. Maybe not all the way around. So you, the set could have been built, then, on a mattress where they knew they were going to fall, and the sand put over the mattress. Yeah. So when they were falling and landing and stuff. Because there's an awful lot of places where they're, they're ducking and diving, and they do tuck and rolls, and mm. they've got a lot of, like, swords and equipments on. They could be like mats like they have in school. Yeah, they could be. But it's, it's, it's the the, the, the amount they're like trampoline things. No, but the amount of stunt work that the actors seem to do yeah. is quite impressive. Because I'm always watching out for decent stunt work and the fights in this are brilliant. And the, there's there's a couple of moments in it where even you and you're like king of the horror film. Queen of the horror film. King will do. King will do, yeah. You're not fussy. Equal opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a couple of moments in the fight scenes where even you were a bit, what's it, where Thingio gets his oh, jaw well, cut off. Yeah, and there's the other one as well where they get the belly sliced and then all their, and then all their, their intestines like... start falling out. Oh. That's that's Salonius. He cuts, is, he cuts yeah, Salonius' his stomach open. Yeah, he does. Because Salonius dies laughing. Yeah. Because, and Bat- that's a brilliant bit. And Batiatis is like, what's all that about? Mm. And what happens is, as he leans in, Salonius says, Batiatis is the orchestrator behind all of this. And Spartacus whispers to him, oh, don't worry, he's going to get his. Yeah. And then Salonius realises Spartacus knows what's gone on. Mm. And he laughs as Spartacus cuts his head off. Mm. And that's one of the that's one of the longest lingering camera shots of somebody getting their head cut off. Yeah. when Salonius loses his head. Because it's like we were watching Highlander the other day, and I said to you how TV has moved on. Oh, because you don't actually see him chop his head You never off. actually see him chop anyone's head off in Highlander. No. The camera always goes with the sword. Even though you know that's how they die. And that's the point of the show. Yeah. You have to cut the head off. And now you're like, you're used to seeing Spartacus, where they're hacking off limbs at every available opportunity. Like another one of my favourite fight scenes is where he's running at Spartacus and Spartacus tucks and rolls behind him and cuts off one of his legs oh. as he's running. Yeah. So he can't stop himself from landing on his stump. Yeah, there, there was... <laughs> see, at the very beginning, when we just thought this was going to be like comedy. Not comedy, but it was... I, I freely admit was, I watched it for the nudity and the violence. Yeah, and it was ridiculous. And the blood was... Um, proper CG on yeah. the screen blood and it and it was over elaborate and but then you find yourself getting drawn into this story you you find you're not noticing the blood anymore you're not noticing no you that it's ridiculous I came for the sex yes and the violence after Charlie Brooker said that I was like hey I'll watch that and I distinctly remember this is you all over if I'm watching something you're not interested in, laptops on, iPads on, whatever, and then the laptop closes and the iPad closes. Did I not actually watch it? With the you? first episode was on, and you were just tapping away, doing what you were doing, mm. and then you were like, mm, mm. and then you stopped tapping away, and then episode two, episode three, you're like, you got another one of them Spartacuses, <laughs> and what you find is, yes, you come for the sex and the violence. But the Shakespearean nature of the show, the characters, the story, grabs you. Yeah. And starts bringing you in. And it, it's not just this comedy, over-exaggerated, blood-fest, 
and sex and nudity. It, it's actually... It's gripping. Yeah. It actually becomes gripping. To, this is the third time through we've watched this. Well, not quite. We're only halfway. We're only, we're, we're only halfway through, so we're going to do another one where we talk about the last two series. Hmm. So you get to the end of the first series, you've got this big cliff. The series could have ended, though. Spartacus yes. has rebelled. Yeah. But there was always a plan he's, to do he's more. He's killed the host of Batios. He's brought... Oh. Yeah. He's, oh, he's brought... Oh, but the, the thing at the end... That scene at the end where Lucretia finds that she's pregnant... Yes. ...with Crixus's baby. Well, you don't know it's Crixus's Well, baby. you don't know whose baby it is. And Crixus stabs her through the stomach. Yes. Because of what she did to Navia. Mm. I would rather my baby die than grow up with you as a mother. And that's just like... Yeah. That's it's just shocking. so long... To get pregnant. To get to this point. And Crixus just, just stabs her through the stomach. And they, but the, see, the series ends with them both reaching for each other as they die. Because Spartacus plays with Barticus. Barticus. Batiatus. Yes. Because he's no match for him. Mm. And he's basically trying to get to Lucretia. And Spartacus just so what would you do? What would you do to be able to touch your woman's hand one more time? Yeah. What would you do be able to so hold her? her. Yeah. And just before he gets to her, that's when he runs him through. Mm. So if you actually loot that last they scene, they don't quite. get to touch. The hands are very close to each other. But they're not But they don't there. actually get to each other. Yeah. And it's it's just a great ending mm. to what was a fantastic first season. Because like you said, the first two episodes, yeah, you're watching it for the violence. I'm watching it for the fact that Alithia takes her clothes off a lot. And then around episode two or three, you're like, this is actually really good. You could, like you say, you could strip away the violence and the sex. Well, you couldn't really, because it's an integral no. part of the show. But you don't need it to be as. You don't need the violence to be as bloody and as gory as it is. You you could get away with it being toned down a bit. Mm. And you could you probably do still need the sex, but you don't need the full frontal nudity and the ramming cock up arse <laughs> and all that. I don't know. Some people like that. Well, <laughs> apparently, but. It doesn't matter, does it? No, that's just the window dressing that brought people like me in. <laughs> yeah. Once you actually get into the show, you're suddenly addicted to the characters and the writing. And the writing is really good. I do love the, I love the dialogue. Because you do find after you've watched Spartacus for a bit, you suddenly start talking like them. You do. It's like when you watch Gilmore Girls and suddenly you start talking stuff really, really quick. And throwing loads of pop culture references. And throwing out loads of ridiculous pop culture references that you don't actually understand. And then when you watch Spartacus, you do start talking like they do in Spartacus. Which is quite embarrassing at work. (laughs) I don't even want to know what you've been saying at work, then, if it's embarrassing. I don't want to know what I say at work, to be honest with you. So the first series ended. And then they kind of had something a little bit tragic happen. Yeah. And that Andy Whitfield, who played Spartacus, was diagnosed with non non Hutchins lymphoma. Hodgkin's. Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so the second season had to be kind of semi postponed while he went for treatment. But from what they say in interviews and stuff, they had um studio space booked that they'd already booked and paid for. Mm. So if nothing got filmed then they've, they've nothing to show for the fact that they've spent money booking the studio space. Time is money. Yeah, pretty much. So what, apparently they did something along the lines of, I'm sure I read this somewhere, but I can't source it, but it was something along the lines of, they got in touch with Stephen Denight, they said, look, this isn't perfect, Andy's going for treatment, we've got studio space booked for this amount of time, what can you do? 
and he came up with the idea of doing a law, right, why don't we do a prequel series about the house of Batiatus? Mm. How Batiatus came to be in the position he was in in the first series. Because the first problem they had was, how do you do a series of Spartacus without Spartacus? Yeah. <laughs> so the first instant was to do a prequel. And they had uh, studio space boot for him at a time that was like, well, we can do six episodes. So instead of the 12, is it 12 that was in, in the first series? 12 or 13? Something like that. 12 or 13 episodes. Mm. The second season, or the prequel series, Gods of the Arena, only has six episodes. And they obviously had to bring back John Hanna, who dies at the end of the first season, and Lucy Lawless, who at this point we believed to be dead. Yes. We believed that Lucretia was dead as well. And they tell the story of Crixus coming to the Ludus, Mm -hmm. and how he rose to be champion. But that's not really even the focus of the show. The yeah. focus of the prequel series is Batiatis, the, the seeds of Batiatis' quest for power being planted by yeah. the fact that he's very much a daddy's boy. He's, well, he's, he's not a daddy's boy, though, is he? Because his dad thinks he's a useless waste of time. He's always been under his dad's thumb. Yeah. His dad has never had any ambition. The house of Batiatis has this particular place, and that's where it occupies. Yeah. And he's not interested in furthering that. And his dad has had to leave Capua because of the dusty environment. Yeah, Yeah. he's had to go and live by the coast. Mm. So basically there's there's an implication that he's a bit asthmatic or whatever. Mm. Or something like that. So he has to live by the coast. And in his absence, Batiatus has risen the house of Batiatus up slightly, hasn't he? Mm. Through the the champion that they currently have, which is... (sighs) Do we have to preface Gannicus with Ah, Gannicus? Yeah, just like we do with Thor. <laughs> he has a lot in common with Thor. Both Australian or New Zealand. Mm. It's the same place, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Canada, that's America, isn't it? Yeah. Same place, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. nobody will be upset by that. Nobody will be upset by that at all. Hey, Ireland, England, Scotland, interchangeable. <laughs> there is no difference whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, where do you come from? Yeah, is that near London? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, that, right is, that, is that near where the Beatles come from? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we knew the Beatles. We did, yes. we knew the Beatles. Anyway. Anyway, Gannicus. Anyway, Gannica. So Gannicus <sighs> is the hero of the prequel series he's the he's the champion yeah he's the champion he's your favourite isn't he he is because he looks like um, Gavin Rossdale in a loincloth so you keep saying so it's took you to a happy place so you see though Elithia for me Gannicus for you it's got something for everybody yeah Uh, the prequel series is good I don't think that it's as good as the first series no because it suffers from the same thing that all prequels suffer from, doesn't it? It has to end up at a certain place. Yeah, and there's certain elements of it that Animaeus is revealed to have been married. Yes. And his but wife... It's weird when it starts mm. and Doctor is not Animaeus. Yeah, in the first episodes of this, Animaeus isn't the Doctor. And, and Crixus isn't there and it's... Barker's with somebody else. Yeah, there's lots of little things that are different. Yeah. Because Crixus hasn't been bought yet. Crixus no. gets bought in episode two, I Neither think. Neither does Asher. No, Asher's there. Asher's, Asher's there, but he's still wounded. 
No, he's not. Ash is in the prequel. Yeah, but he's he's not a gladiator yet. They get the mark. Oh yeah, you're right. It, yes. He's just been bought in. Asher has only just been bought in. You're absolutely right because he only gets the mark for doing something you don't treacherous. Have to say that. We all know that. I'm absolutely right. Okay. He gets the mark for doing something treacherous. He doesn't actually get the mark for earning it. Yeah. And which is why nobody likes. Which him is why well. nobody respects him. Yeah, because he didn't get it on the sands. No. As Crixus constantly says, "We'll fight on the sands." He's one note, Crixus, isn't he? Yeah, Let's be honest. He is. He's very amusing, but that's all he's about. Yeah. He's just about fighting for honour on the sand. But he's a gladiator. He's a Klingon. He's a gladiator. Yeah, pretty much. So, Animaeus and Gannicus are best... At the point, Animaeus is recovering from his fight with Theocles. Yes. Because when Spartacus bests Theocles in the, se- in the first season, it is revealed that Animaeus is the only person who went against Theocles and lived. He didn't yeah. beat him. No, he didn't win. But he, he didn't lived. die. Yeah. And everyone's like, Eve, that's an achievement against yeah. Theocles. But Animaeus isn't best pleased with it anyway. So the doctorate that they currently have is, his da- is Batiatus' his dad's man. Yeah. So Batiatus is quite happy to see the back of him. Mm. And he makes Animaeus the doctorate. So he's married. You would have thought that at some point during the first season, the fact that Animaeus was married would have been mentioned to Spartacus. Because they do have quite a lot of head-to-heads. They do? They do have quite a lot of chats. Yeah. So surely at some point Animaeus would have said, yeah, I was married once. And he never does. No. Because clearly they didn't have the prequel series written. No. When they wrote the first series. It wasn't going to exist, was it? You've also got that thing as well, Gannicus is not mentioned at all in the first season. No. For obvious reasons that the prequel series didn't exist. But you have one of the only bad lines of dialogue in the show. In the last episode of the prequel, Batiata says to Lucretia, we will never mention Gallicus's name again. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, the gladiators didn't hear you say that. No. Why do they never mention him? Because he didn't exist. Well, clearly, yeah. So it does suffer from prequelitis. Yeah. In that it isn't as good as the first series, and it has to end up in a certain place. But what's clever about it is, the way it's structured, it is a dying man's life flashing before his eyes. Because the prequel picks up exactly where the first series leaves off. You see the scene again of Spartacus teasing him and then running him through. And then the camera zooms in on his eye. Yeah. And that's the implication I got for it. This is life flashing before his eyes before he dies. So his life only started a year before? No, I, don't, I get the feeling it's more than a year. Well... It's a couple of years, I think. So he didn't have a child at her own adolescence or meet in Lucretia? No. Well, obviously, there's only so much they could do to make the actors look younger. Because <laughs> with John Hannah... He just brushed his hair they forward. Yeah, they brush his hair forward so it doesn't look like he's receding as much and dye it. Yeah. They, get, they make it blacker, don't they? because he's, he's going a bit grey in series one. Whereas Lucy Lawless, they pull it off quite well by just giving her another splendiferous array of wigs. No, she doesn't start with the wigs. What colours are her in the, in the prequel? Is it red all the time? No, it's like that brownie colour. Right. She doesn't start wearing a lot of wigs. She does wear them when they have big parties, but she doesn't wear them a lot. Right, is that how she's they make quite, her look younger? Yeah, and she's also quite plain at that point. As plain as Lucy Lawless can be. Yeah, but she's not all dressed up the same as she will be later on. Well, they've not achieved the position that they have. No, because the house is dry and falling to pieces and Mm. they've got the thingy 
No, they've not. It's not all dry and thingy at that point, is it? That's the beginning of the first season. Mm. Till Spartacus brings the rain. Spartacus brings. Spartacus is the god of rain. Yeah. Because he makes it rain. No, the place isn't as opulent. No. As it would be in the first series, and you're right. She doesn't wear gowns that look as quite as expensive. No. As they do in the second series. But it's in that the prequel series that you realise that Lucretia and Batiatas are perfect for each other. Yeah, but her, his dad says at some point as well that he's married down marrying Lucretia. Yeah, and Batiatas isn't having none of that. No. So you get to the point where Batiatas's father returns and he wants the marriage dissolved. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of a bit of an orgy. Yes, he comes over in the, in the middle of an orgy. <laughs> Hey, it's the Romans. What can you yeah. do? Why is he shocked? So he comes home in the middle of this orgy. Well, he thinks it's bringing disgrace to the house of Batiatas. Mm. I mean, he'll be rolling in his grave by what they do in the second series. Yeah. Or the first series. Yeah. But, and so he wants a dissolving of the marriage. And all the time, the only thing, he's drinking this mulled wine or honeyed wine or something. Yeah. And slowly through the series, Lucretia's been poisoning it. Yes. And after he demands the, dis- the dissolution of the marriage, she steps up her poisoning of him. And Batiatus realises what she's done and doesn't dislike her for it. No. Because he was holding Batiatus back. Batiatus has got them to a position in the prequel series where they're just about to be entered into the main games. Because so far, the House of Batiatas has always been like the warm-up match. Yeah, but even that has been manipulated. Oh yeah, he blackmails and connives and cajoles his way into that. And the parties. Yeah, he has to have lots of parties for numerous prominent Romans, Mm. where he basically allows them to shag whoever they want to shag. Yeah. Which kills one of the girls, ultimately, doesn't it? He takes one that's never been touched. Yes. And he's so rough with her that she runs away. And then she's caught at the end and beheaded. Yes. In the gladiatorial arena. So he kind of spoils her for them. Um, she was nicer as well. She was yeah. quite pleasant until until that happened, which is understandable. Because Navia helps her escape, doesn't she? But Navia's also the one that she stirs into the eyes of when she's being killed. Yes, because well, cause it was the choice between Navia and her. Mm. And she chose he chose her. For um, Well, he, he sees how tight one of them is, doesn't he? Which is one of the roughest scenes in the show. That's not played for pleasant. A lot of yeah. the sex scenes are played for, for, you know, this is all pleasant and this is nice. Yeah. That one wasn't. That was played as being deliberately rough. Mm. So Batiatas has done all of this to elevate the house and Daddy doesn't like any of it. Daddy doesn't know what's going on. Well, that as well. And he sells Gannicus. Yes, but he has no intention of going through with it. No, his dad does. Oh, yeah. His dad sells Gannicus. His dad's got no attachment to any of them. No, he doesn't like any of the gladiators that Batiatas has trained. And without Gannicus, Batiatas has no one of standing. No. So it's because it's Gannicus who has risen them to the point where they're finally being looked at as being having a proper game, yeah. not being the people who fight before noon. That's what it was, wasn't it? The, yeah. the, the, the games before noon are just lesser matches. Yeah, because... Hello? Because mm-hmm. they don't turn up, do they? Um, when they're, they're sat in the box watching, yeah. a lot of them don't turn up until afternoon. Yeah. So with throughout the, this prequel series, Salonius and Batiatus are friends. 
Yes. Until Batiatus puts his foot in it mm. and slags Salonius off. And Salonius... What does Salonius do? Oh, he gets um, all of the gladiators of the person Batiatus betrays. Yeah, they're and supposed to be splitting them. And, yeah. and he says, well, actually, no. Yeah, I'm having them all. going to... Yeah. Salonius. So Salonius then becomes a rival for the house of Batiatus, which is where he you gives find them. more men. Yeah. But not as good. He has more men, but none of them are as good as Gannicus. And so Salonius whispers in the ear of the guy who's running the games and has Gannicus freed at the end of the prequel. Mm. So Batiatus now has no champion of prominence. And less men. And less men, even though he now has a position in the games. Yes. And that's where the prequel ends, and then when the series opens, Crixus has risen to be champion. Yeah. And that's where we left it, with the prequel. Do we recommend Spartacus to people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we recommend it to people who are squeamish? No. Do we recommend it to people who may be a little bit prudish in their nudity on television? Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, who do we recommend it to? I recommended it to my boss did you? Yeah. Because we've, we've kind of recommended it to your mum. Yeah. I, I ultimately, I think, if, if you're one of those people who doesn't like violence, you're not going to like the show. No. And the level of nudity and sex in the show is, it's not pornographic. No. But the, they don't were a lot for an awful lot of the show. No, well, the slaves certainly don't. The slaves don't were very much at all. But ultimately, you get past that. Yeah. And you start enjoying the fact that it's it's very Shakespearean. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, threat and counter-threat and double-cross and betrayal and all of that is really well done. Go away, cat. There's a cat black. So if you can get past all of that, I, I think it's, it's heartily recommended. It's yeah. on UK Netflix. I don't know if it's on American Netflix. But if it is, it's well worth investigating. And I, I'd probably recommend that you you pass yourself with it because if you start watching it you'll watch all 13 in one go yeah and you've just killed the day mm -hmm. so you may want to um pass yourself when you watch it but you do get to the end of one episode and you're like well, should we watch the next one because remember when we were first watching it and it was getting to one two o'clock in the morning yeah and you we'll were like watch one more. there's only three left yeah, i'm like andrew gotta get up for work at six <laughs> So we could just watch him and not sleep. And not go to work. Well, <laughs> that. Okay, well, there you go. There's the first two seasons of Spartacus. The, the final two seasons, Vengeance and War of the Damned. We're going to start watching them soon. Yes. And we'll re-watch them again for the third time. Because Gannicus is back. Gannicus returns. Sadly, Andy Whitfield does not. No. Sadly, Andy Whitfield died. Due to, well, what the 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 way another thing the way the prequel came about that we've not mentioned is he passed all his tests. He was given the all clear. Yeah, he was, he was returning back. for the second season, and then it came back. Yeah, and that's when filming was put on hold, and that's why they only ended up with six episodes. And when the the decision was made to go ahead with the third season, it was made to go ahead without him. Yeah, because he just couldn't return, and they had to recast the role of Spartacus. And ultimately, Andy Whitfield passed away. Yeah. And he didn't, he never got but to come back. He did give his blessing to Liam. He did. He picked the guy who ultimately got the role. Andy Whitfield was like, that's the guy. Yeah. Which is Liam McIntyre. It and is the, a bit difficult 
to start with, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, there is an adjustment period. Yeah. Well, yeah, but this isn't this isn't a Pete Doole, alias Smith and Jones situation where they were just like, no. he's dead. Yeah. We've recast this guy. We're not even going to mention it. Yeah, we're just carrying on. Which was crass. Yeah. In this, the first episode of series three is dedicated to Andy Whitfield, mm-hmm. and the final shot of the last ever episode uh, is Andy Whitfield saying, "I am Spartacus." So they never forget about him. No. And it's and we'll probably cover it more when we do Vengeance and War of the Damned. Ultimately, it wasn't a good situation for anybody. No. It's not Liam McIntyre's fault that this happened. No. It wasn't. I mean, there was... They did consider not carrying on with the show. And it was Andy Whitfield who said, no, you have to carry on with the show. So there was his decision, though, to, keep, to let them carry on. And there's not really a lot else you can do. You've just got to recast the role and go on. Yeah. And there is an adjustment period. There's there's nothing wrong with Liam McIntyre. No, there's not, and you get used to him, but it's just a bit harsh to start with. Yeah, and and but different. Th- at the same time, though, just when you get in your head around it being a different Spartacus, you have Navia come back as not Via. Yeah, Navia is recast as well, but that's a completely different situation. She wanted more money. Yeah. But you, you've just got your head around this one person being replaced, and they've replaced somebody else. Mm. But see, so the Andy Whitfield thing, there's nothing they can do about that. No. And that's a shame, and it's a shame that he passed on because he was really, really good in it. Yes. And I'd, I'd never seen him in anything else. I don't know if he did anything else. Well, you've obviously not seen him in anything since. Obviously not. No. <laughs> I'm glad you're here to tell me these things. Well. Alright, well, I hope you enjoyed that impromptu. There was no notes, though, we just waffled. No, and you didn't really go into a lot about Gaia and... Well, there's not... The the prequel, Gaia kind of just occupies the same place that Alithia occupies. Yeah. She brings in some of these people. Yeah, she puts them on the road to where they will be when the series opens. And she is... She's genuinely a good friend. She's like family Hmm. to Lucretia. Yeah, whereas... Lithia and Lucretia kind of manipulate each other to get what they want. Yeah, it's kind of like Lucretia wanted another friendship like that, Mm. but it was never going to happen. No, because you can't fake that. No. So, and the thing with Gaia, Gaia's played by Jamie Murray, who you just constantly refer to as show killer. Yeah, because she, everything she's in, she's terrible. Awful. She's not terrible in hustle. She killed a whole season of Dexter. She did kill a whole season of Dexter. That was like... Have you been watching the rest of this show? Do you know what this character is? And what's that thing on sci-fi that's based on the game with Julie Benz in it? That she was in. And the minute you saw that she was in it, you were like, oh, God. I can't remember what it's called. It's not Devastator. You remember what it was? Did I watch it? Yes, I watched it. I don't know. It's that town in the middle of nowhere. Anyway. That narrows it down. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but it's on the Sci-Fi channel. So I don't remember. So, well, you don't want to spoil everything. No. If you want to go and check it out, you want to kind of... Yeah, well, I'm just talking about the prequel that we kind of glossed over. Well, because it's like I said, it suffers from prequelitis. Yeah. The only really interesting thing to come out of the prequel is Gannicus. Oh, yeah. And his rule as the series goes on makes the prequel have more importance than perhaps it would do otherwise. Yeah. Because Gannicus, Gannicus basically is, he's got nothing else to do. He doesn't want his freedom. No, and he's very cocky. 
but... And he has a brilliant song. Yes, he does. <laughs> that he sings. Firstly, he drinks. Yeah. He shags women and yes. he fights. Yes. And that's all he's interested in doing. So being given until, his freedom until a certain thing happens. Yes. A certain betrayal. Yeah. He shags Animaeus, his wife. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden. Well, no, that's not strictly fair. He's forced. He's, yeah, he's forced to to shag Animaeus, his wife, yes. for the Romans to watch. Yes. As pleasure. And they both enjoy it. And it, it's not the last time they do it. No. So essentially it ruins that relationship between the three of them. Even though yes. in the prequel, Animaeus never finds out. No. Because Animaeus's wife is then poisoned by the same wine that Lucretia poisons Batiatus's dad with. Yeah. Because she takes that it, down. She shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. She takes that down to Gannicus mm-hmm. for him to drink. But he never drinks it because he, you know, get busy. But she's had a couple of sips on the way down, hasn't she? Mm. So she ends up dying, which plays into Batiatus's plan. He blames those two deaths on... I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, the one who bought the wine. Yes, yeah. he bought the wine as a gift. Mm. So he blames the deaths on them, because originally we thought Lucretia wasn't going to cop to it. Yeah. That she was going to let him think that. But he doesn't. He, he knows full well what Lucretia's done. But he blames the death on him so that the gladiators will be on his side as well. Yeah. Gadiacus and, and Animaeus. But yeah, ultimately, Gannicus is the best thing to come out of the prequel. Oh, yeah. Because, for obvious reasons for you, but when you go forward and he ends up joining Spartacus's rebellion, he only joins it because he's got nothing else to do. Yeah, and well, nowhere that's else to go. He's very cocky. But he has the talent to back it up. Yeah, he is one of those really arrogant, cocky people. But you let it get away with it, because A, he's charming as hell. Oh, yeah. And B, yeah, he, he can back up what he says. Yeah. He is a great gladiator. He is a great fighter. Yeah. He's masterful in the ring. But he's got a personality to it as well, whereas when... Whereas Crixus hasn't. No, he's just wooden and... Uh, and this is no reflection on Manu Bennett, who we've oh, seen no, in other no, stuff. because I, I do like him. He's in other stuff, he's good. It's Crixus as a character, he's very one-note. He's all about yeah. dying on the sands. And his woman, and that's it. Yeah. And Navia. That's all he's about, isn't it? And he just talked like that a lot. Yes. <laughs> he's, he has kind of got that, I'm Batman, voice yeah, going on, hasn't he? Does, it? yeah. So it's no reflection on Manu Bennett, but yeah, Crixus is quite a dull character. And can I just point out at this point that it's nothing to do with um, Gannicus getting his kit off, because he never does. Gannicus does, he just doesn't do full frontal. No. Crixus does. Oh, yeah. Crixus will get his cock out at any opportunity. My two favourites... Three, alright, three. There's never any full frontal. Four, alright, four. No, three. Who's the three? Obviously the first, Andy Whitfield. Yes. Obviously Gannicus. Yes. Caesar. Oh, yeah. From Series 4, the little short-ass blonde bloke. Yeah. Get out of town. No. He doesn't fit your type. Why? What type? Gavin Rossdale in a loincloth. But Spartacus isn't Gavin Rossdale. No, Spartacus isn't Gavin Rossdale. No, but he's still a bit rougher than than, uh, Caesar. No, I like Caesar. Anyway, we'll probably end up talking about Julius Caesar when he shows up in Series 4 we get to that point but yeah so that's probably why we've kind of glossed over the prequel because Gannicus is the only interesting thing to come out of it that has any lasting resonance 
But some of the stuff that doesn't get covered in in the first season is covered later on. Yeah. When they're back together again. Yeah. Well, well, they knew what they were doing with the prequel at that mm. point, so they were able to incorporate that into season three and four. Because ultimately, Animaeus does find out. Yes. What Gannicus did. But there are serious repercussions from bringing down the House of Batiathus. Mm-hmm. Like, Animaeus joined in, but he's not happy about it. No. And that plays into series three. And Spartacus is now leading a rebellion horde, which isn't what he wants. He doesn't no. want to be a leader. He's no. just kind of fell into this role. And Crixus is kind of on his side, but constantly challenges an authority. Yeah. So there are times he has to keep putting Crixus down. Mm. Because all Crixus wants is, I want to go back for Navia. Oh, that becomes his, his predominant plot line. Yeah, because she gets sentenced to the mines for betraying Lucretia. Yeah. So he has to kind of get her back at some point. Jumping ahead. But that, yeah, that's all in the third series, which we'll come to at another point. Yes. That was good, that. Wasn't it? You like Spartacus, don't you? I do. And the show. Oh, yeah, that as well. That as well. Yeah. Okay, because you're a bit warped. Thanks. <laughs> in a good way. appreciate that. I'm sure you do. Um, I don't know what's next. I never know what's next on this show, do I? No. I just make it up as I go along. Um, you, you, oh. keep, you keep telling me you've got these plans and, yeah, we're going to do this and we'll watch this and then we'll do this. We haven't done our Supernatural episode yet. Exactly, but you've jumped into this. Well, this was more interesting because we didn't actually have to do any prep for it. Probably could have done with some, you know, sequential notes. Yeah, we probably could have done with that. But hey, this am I getting paid for this? No, I'm not. <laughs> How much time does my fucking podcast take up? Oh, quite a bit. Okay, so do you want to do emails with me? I'll do your emails. Uh, I'll show you in a minute. Anyway, I'll play an advert here for somebody's show. Over and, me yawning. Uh, over, over Angela's boredom. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, just in case you don't come back for the email. It was uh, nice to have you. Tell other people what other podcasts you do. Me? Yes, you. Um, oh, there's... Uh, there's no, so many. No. <laughs> You mean you've not been bitten by the podcasting bug? No. Podcasts are like tattoos. You can't no. just do one. take us many years into the past, where a long time ago, character Superman first graced the pages of action comics, but there was technology more advanced, and it brought forth a race of moviegoers, men and women like ourselves, but advanced to the absolute peak of human entertainment. They wanted to see their character adapted in other media. They made him the Man of Scream. Man of Screen podcast will chronicle the adventures of Superman on the big screen and the small screen, starting with the Fleischer Shorts. For Kirk Allen movie serials. Superman and the Mole Men. The 1950s television series, The Adventures of Superman. The Christopher Reeve movies, Lois and Clark. Superman the Animated Series, and more. 
come check out the Man of Screen podcast. Coming in March to manofscreen.podomatic.com. We got a couple of emails from people. It's, it's nice to be back. Angela stared. It's nice of you to stare for the email. Nathaniel Wayne emailed in. I like that name because it always just makes me think of War of the Worlds. Do you know I knew you were going to go there? <laughs> I've already been there before on the show. Because that War of the Worlds double album's great. And you're predictable? That as well. I never said I wasn't predictable. Anyway, should I read Nathaniel's? Email. If you can say it, yeah. If I can say it, yeah. You can't take the sky from... Oh, so I presume it's about the Firefly episode. Dear Andrew... The first line gives it away. I am both delighted... I'm glad you're here. <laughs> this is people's favourite bit. What, you slagging me off? Yes. Okay. I am both delighted and saddened by your coverage of Firefly. Delighted that you're doing it, but also sad that one third of your original group is unable to see the journey through. That's because I released the one with Shauna. And now it's become its own show. It's span off. So he's in the first three. So it's nice to have him there for the first three. For my own part, I really think I need to revisit the series because I loved On First Watch, which, like most people, was on DVD. 95% of people who claim they watched it when it aired are lying through their teeth because if they had watched it, then it wouldn't have been cancelled. We watched it on First Watch. We watched it, yeah. It didn't make any difference because we watched it over here. Yeah. So (laughs) I didn't get it renewed, did it? However, as time has gone on, I found myself slowly cooling on the property as a whole. A metally part of it is due to the fan base rubbing me the wrong way. The above mentioned I watched it when it erred line being a pretty typical example of the smug attitude that gets on my nerves. Beyond that, though, the more time that passes between my original viewing and the present, the bigger the few problems that exist seem to become, the film Serenity having the biggest and most glaring ones at this point. I do find myself wondering if my memory is just messing with me and if I go back and rewatch the thing it'll just calm all this stuff down. But I'm more afraid I'll just end up finding more things that I don't like about it, or that the few niggles have become huge issues for me, as has happened with the Lord of the Rings films. Maybe your podcast coverage, when you're able to continue it, will inspire me to go back, if for no reason than to justify my long-standing feeling that Janestown was the weakest episode of the series whilst everybody else can't stop singing its praises. Keep up the great work... Nathaniel Wayne. Well, keep them flying. The Firefly podcast will be coming soon. As soon as I get off my ass and edit some. And actually get to release them on its own feed. Which which will happen. Janestown. Janestown's remembered as a favourite one just because of that song at the beginning. I'm convinced of that. I don't think that's a great one either. The hero of it's, Canton. The man oh, they call right, Jane. Right. That's it, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I don't... That pre-credit moment where they see the statue and Wash has his I'm in hell moment... And then they realise the song, The Hero oh, of Canton, Leaf on the Wind. That's not even funny. It is a little bit It's not funny. even funny. It is. No, it's not. Why don't they fly Serenity anymore? It's not even funny. It needs a wash. No, it's not funny. <laughs> You're horrible. That's funny. You have never forgiven Joss Whedon no, for that, have you? No, never. For people that are only listening to the Firefly show on first, on first view, spoilers... <laughs> don't don't even say it. Alright, I won't even say it. Just in case Paul Spatero's listening. Who's never watched them all. As you know. No. So he's watching them for the first time on, on the Firefly show. Well, if if you're watching the film as soon as they leave the planet <laughs> and and they get through, then just stop watching the Okay. And that's the end of the film. Yeah. Okay. Just <laughs> they land, turn it off. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to watch any. No. All right, fair enough. Uh, we got one more email. It's Lou Giaconetti. Some say. We haven't done that for a while, have we? 
Some say he was sacked from his job for punching a producer. But all we know is he's called Luke Giaconetti. He wasn't really sacked from his job for punching his producer. That was Clarkson. Was it? Yeah. Not Luke? No, Luke's never punched his producer. Not as far as I know. I think Luke's his own producer. I think he produces his own show. Earth Destruction Director. So that would be punching himself. Yeah, that would be silly. Yeah. You don't want to do any of that. You're a wonder, Wonder Leyland. Now, there's a visual. I could totally rock that. No, I couldn't. No. (laughs) Only Linda Carter can pull that uniform off. I think. Yeah. Mm. No, I don't want to see you in that. No, I don't want to see me in that either. No. Maybe you in it. No. The Knicks are too puffy. Are they? Yeah. Too granny panty. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Colonel Leyland, wanted to drop you a quick line about your recent Wonder Woman pilot double shot episode covering the beginnings of Princess Diana's adventures. Yeah. That makes it that you have some kind of authority. (laughs) I'm glad you interrupted Luke's email for that, just to mock. You can carry on now. Oh, thank you for that, Lorelei Gilmore. Uh, Princess Diana's adventures both in World War II as well as the 70s. I remember Wonder Woman mostly from reruns when I was a child. The show predating me on this mortal coil by several years. But I have become re-familiar with the show due to its place on MeTV's Saturday Night lineup, which I have mentioned to you before. MeTV is a multicast station, both over the air and cable, which plays classic TV programme. Saturday Night is, rever- is reserved sorry, for genre shows. Wonder Woman is on at 8 after Batman 66, but before Star Trek. Being on an eight means I sometimes get to catch a bit of the episode whilst my wife wrangles the kids for their bedtime routine. The show is a delight, because whilst it is all pretty ridiculous, and by ridiculous I mean awesome, I don't mean this in an ironic modernist sense, rather the sheer and downright earnestness of it at all, as you mentioned, means that even when we get episodes such as a hypno-disco club, everyone seems to be playing it totally straight and serious. I want to find the hypno-disco episode now and watch that one. I want to know why he sits on his ass watching TV while his wife wrangles the kids to bed and he doesn't help out. Oh, I would imagine that he does help out. <laughs> and maybe they take it in turns. That's all I'm saying. You never did bedtime Our routine. bedtime routine was you bath them, I read to them. No, you did not when they were little. I totally read to them no, when they were didn't. little. Well, maybe not when they were little tiny babies. They I read to them They interesting when they can start talking. Baby, they don't. Babies are just... No. This big pink blobs of meh. No, they're a nightmare when they start talking. They don't shut up when they start talking. Anyway, Luke continues. If nothing else, this helps you to just roll with it and have fun, because you know that soon enough Wonder Woman's going to start tossing jabrones around. It also helps that the camp factor is not as high as it is on Batman, but I would rather watch Linda Carter than Adam West and Burt Ward any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yvonne Craig, on the other hand, well, that's a bat suit of a different colour, but I digress. Truly, this is Carter's show, as her personal magnetism is the glue which holds the whole effort together. Nothing else in the production comes close to being worthy of what she brings to the table, but I think we all knew that, yes? Her mix of strength and compassion nails the character as she existed at the time. We'll have to wait and see how the Amazon warrior takes play out in Batman vs Superman and her solo film, but I'm hoping that Gal Gadot brings... Or is it Gal Gadot? It may be Gal Gadot. I don't know. I don't know either. Bring some of Carter's spirit to the role. Remember back in Blackest Night, the only emotion which the Black Lanterns can ever read off Wonder Woman was love. Say what you want about Jeff Johns, but he got that part dead on. For what it's worth, I share your opinion. As far as the World War II episodes being generally more fun and unique than the 70s episodes, which are so now that they ultimately come off as more dated than the period episodes. 
I'm glad that the show is getting something of a re-evaluation between the DVD releases and the DC Digital series Wonder Woman 77. Whilst I don't think I will ever top anyone's list of superhero TV shows, especially considering the era we live in now, it did deserve better than its reputation in the 90s as being pure schlock with a sex symbol star. Thanks for the fun show, Luke. Well, you're welcome. You didn't watch Wonder Woman. I've seen it, but I don't watch it. You were at work when I did those shows. Oh. I did those two in. I did. That was a brilliant one, that. You know, these sometimes take so ages. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it was brilliant for production. I don't mean it was brilliant because I was brilliant. I'm very, really brilliant. But I watched one in one morning after I took you to work, wrote about it. Watched the next one the next morning after I took you to work, wrote about it, recorded a show. Gift. Those amazing Spider Man ones, those Lee Dicker ones, they take forever. I've noticed. You've noticed. But the Wonder Woman one, poor, two days done. Gift of a job. Watching TV is much easier than, than writing and reading. Yes. Isn't it? So that's why I do more TV episodes on this show. Because <laughs> they're much easier. Sure. Uh, I'd say you're lazy, but no, it's less time spent sat in here, me waiting for you to come in and watch TV with me. Yeah, well, don't complain. You, you get to watch what you want if I'm doing all of this stuff. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, that's it. We're done. That's the emails. That's the Spartacus show. It was fun, that. I enjoyed that. It's nice having you instead of Michael. Oh, poor so, Michael. No, it's not. It's a different thing. It's not better. Neither one's better. It's just different. Yeah, they are. I'm so better. You are so much better. That's absolutely true. Uh, com has the Amazon link that you can click on. You know, if you're going to buy something from Amazon. Oh, is this the blah, blah, blah bit? Yeah, you can blah, 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 bonk, bonk, bonk. No blah, blah, blah. It's an episode of Star Trek. Mm. Um, you can go through that if you buy something from Amazon we get kicked back lights on everything say this every week same stuff keeps us going blah 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 exactly everything blah, blah, blah. good yeah uh, and you can email me on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com preferably uh, telling us how much you watched and enjoyed Spartacus yes because we think more people need to watch it and enjoy it because yes. it's very underrated uh, right so see you next time thank you for joining me lovely wife it's okay it was a pleasure yeah <laughs>